Let's pray. My prayer this morning, Father, is a simple one, that you would give me a heart for your word and a word for our hearts. Amen. So if you're ever asked to speak for church, there's two things you need to look at. If you're taking notes, you might want to write these down. The first one is called the CIT. Now, you've probably never heard that. It's preacher talk. It's the central idea of the text. I would be remiss in my responsibility if I did not examine the text and say, what does God have for us in here to share with you? The other thing we look for is a hero. David and Goliath, very clear, we've got a hero, right? Joshua and the big wall, we got a hero. And I got to tell you, as I'm reading this text today, the central idea of the text and the hero is not entirely clear. And I, I called my son, the preacher, and I said, Benjamin, how you doing? He said, Dad, this is a hard text to preach. What do you got? So we did some confabulating, pastor to pastor. It's sort of fun that now my son and I are peers. We can talk about this stuff together. And we found out that we were headed in the same direction. So we call that in the business confirmation. The Holy Spirit was leading him in his sermon and me and my sermon in the same direction. If there is a central idea of the text, it is this. Everybody is afraid. Now, what we didn't read is the two verses right before this. Elizabeth gets to be pregnant. Now, you've got to go all the way back. Remember, Zechariah was in the Holy of Holies offering a sacrifice. And an angel of the Lord appeared to him and said the first thing that's in the angel handbook. We've been here long enough. Do you know the first thing in the angel handbook? Fear not. I'm sorry, if a six-foot-tall, glow-in-the-dark person with a sword appears in front of me, I am going to fear, right? So, and they all say it. Just look at the scripture. They show up, glowing in the dark, six feet tall, often with a sword, and they say, fear not. Like, who are you kidding? And then he says, John, you and your wife, or Zachariah, you and your wife are going to have a baby. And Zachariah's like, hold it. We're older than dirt. All the equipment we have for making babies is dried up and shriveled up and gone. And the angel says, because you don't believe, you're not allowed to talk until the baby's born. And by the way, the baby's name will be John, which means gift. That's cool. Zechariah comes out of the Holy of Holies, and we've talked enough about the temple. We don't need to go through the architecture of the temple but it was the most sacred place in all of Israel. And you only got to visit there once a year on Yom Kippur. Which means that John was conceived late September, early October. I want you to hold that thought in your mind. Now, the two verses that we skipped, because they're not part of the lectionary, says that Elizabeth became pregnant and hid herself for five months. Now, you may say to yourself, well, that's strange. Aren't people usually excited when they're pregnant? Well, I, I got to tell you, watching the grandchildren along the way, most people wait until three months before they tell anybody because they want to make sure that the first trimester is over. And 
Most of the people Vicky and I know, and our kids certainly are younger than us, and we're excited. Could you imagine some old lady on the church having all those storks arrive on her front lawn? <laughs> Have you seen that? When a ba- right? They called it. She's like 80 years old. <laughs> How is she going to take care of the baby? And our human minds begin to roll around with all the what ifs. That's called anxiety, by the way. Anxiety is the fear of what if. That's what I teach my students at the college. What if I can't keep up with this little baby? What if I don't know how to care for it? What if I'm too old? What if I'm too crinkled? What if my husband's too busy being a priest? What if, what if, what if? What are people going to say? And she hid herself for five months and she came out in the sixth month and said, well, folks, there's no hiding it now. Baby's on the way. At the same time, Another glow-in-the-dark person shows up to who? Mary. And what does he say? Fear not. Mary's like, I'm afeard. And he says, by the way, Mary, you are a virgin. God has chosen you. You're going to get pregnant. Mary says, but I'm not married. He says, don't worry. The spirit of the Lord will descend on you and you'll get pregnant. And if I were Mary, I would say, like, can I have a note that says that? <laughs> right? I, I need some documentation here because in four to six months, I'm going to look like this, and people are going to talk. And people did talk. But not yet. Because in the Bible story, this encounter between Mary and Elizabeth happens in Elizabeth's sixth month and Mary's first or second month. Now, I have to do some grown-up talk here. I'm going to say this as politely as I can. In the Levitical law, when a person, man or woman, had what we call an issue of blood, they were considered unclean. They weren't allowed to eat with the other people. They weren't allowed to sit on chairs that other people sat on. There was a particular place that they sat while they were ceremonially, ceremonially unclean. Now, you might remember this because Rachel, when Jacob, Rachel, Leah, and their 12 kids were running away from Laban, she stole the household gods she hid them under her special chair and said to daddy, you want to look? And daddy was like, no, that's unclean. So guess what? If you're pregnant, you don't have to sit in the chair. And everybody knows when you sit in the chair. And Mary didn't have to sit in the chair. So whether or not she was showing, whether or not she had a little plastic tube with a plus sign or a minus sign, or the rabbit died for people of a certain age, everybody knew that Mary wasn't sitting in the chair. And the talking started. Mary did not run away from God's call in her life, but she ran away from the talking. Now, we know that because Nazareth is way up here 
And the hill country of Judea is way down here. It's about 80 miles away. And she did not have a Honda Civic with a full tank of gas. She hoofed it on her dogs 80 miles to get away from the talking. And if she did talk and she did say what God had told her, they would have bought her one of those nice coats with the arms that tie in the back. Did you hear about Mary? She lost it. The Spirit of God and Mary made a baby. Wink, wink, nod, nod. Know what I mean? Say no more. Even her husband-to-be, not yet, thought he would put her away quietly. Now, that's very important as well. Mary's not married. Mary is not sitting in the chair. Levitical law says Mary has to be stoned to death. Now a teenage girl gets pregnant. We throw a party. We get a, we get a, a, a carriage and a, all the baby stuff, and she gets her own TV show called Teenage Moms. There's a TV. You knew this, right? There's a TV show about unwed mothers having babies. It's been on since 2009. And they're still following some of these moms. Mary didn't get any of that. At worst, she gets put to death. At best, she has to endure the tongue wagging of the town. Remember when I said there's no hero here? Elizabeth is hiding from the talking and the awkward stares, and the people thinking mean thoughts loudly. Mary is hiding from the talking and the mean stares, and perhaps the stoning. They both retreated, and I want you to hear this. They did not retreat from the will of God. They retreated from you and me. Now, if we are living the Christian life that we're supposed to live, we're going to do things that make people talk about us behind our backs. And they're going to wag their tongues and they're going to think mean thoughts loudly. And I want you to think about this. There are really three lessons that I want us to pick up from Mary and Elizabeth. And, I, and there is a hero to the story, but it's a bit hidden. If you're writing this down, this is lesson number one. It is okay to retreat from the world for a season. It is never okay to retreat from God. Now, in the olden days, they called retreating from the world for a season a Sabbath. And if you live in this world in which we all live, there is no Sabbath anymore. The malls will be open right up until Christmas Eve. And they'll be open the day after so you can take all the stuff you didn't like back. Right? In fact, the week after Christmas, if you've ever worked in retail, is worse than the week before Christmas. Because you've got all these angry people with sweaters that don't fit. And, and they don't want to hear the fact that, well, the last price we have, this was on sale. Well, I want full price. Well, we can't guarantee you got it on full price. What are they shouting? Just like Mary, I need documentation. It is okay to retreat from the world. It is never okay to retreat from God. 
The second lesson is this. Even in our retreat, we can and must rely on God. Even in our retreat, we can and must rely on God. What do we rely on? His promises, his characteristics, and his actions. That's why we have the book. God knocked down walls. God opened red seas. God healed the sick, raised the dead, caused great and miraculous things to happen. If he could do it then, he could do it now. Even in our retreat, we can and must rely on God's promises, characteristics, and actions. That's why Mary did that prayer at the end of the scripture. We call it the Magnificat. She said, my soul doth magnify the Lord. Aha, we're zeroing in on the hero. We're not there yet, right? My soul doth magnify the Lord. I am terrified, Mary says. The tongue wagging, the thoughts, the awkward moments. I guess I got to tell you this. I didn't want to. But there's a reason that Jesus was called Jesus of Nazareth. If he had been born after Joseph and Mary were married, and there was an appropriate amount of time between the marriage and the arrival of the baby, Jesus would have been named Jesus Bar, the son of Joseph. The fact that he was called Jesus of Nazareth meant that the people said, we have no idea who this man's father is. It could be any man from Nazareth. For the rest of his life, he had the moniker that he was the son of an adulterer. We don't talk about that very much. But Mary knew that and Mary did not want that. Who would want that for their son? So what does she do? She claims the promises of God. He's a loving God. He's a just God. He's a forgiving God. And he's a saving God. Lesson number three is this. In the presence of Jesus, we need to, we have to, we've got to jump for joy. John is not the hero of the story. We didn't get there yet. But... Mary walks in pregnant with Jesus, and the first thing that happens is baby John in his ancient mother's womb goes, Woo! Now, you can't see this on the tape, but I'm dancing. Woo! Right? And Elizabeth goes, Ouch! And then she says, The baby left. The mother of my Lord is here. Church, we don't do enough jumping. We're going to come on Christmas Eve and we're all going to get a candle. And we're going to light our candles and we're not going to dip the lighted candle. We're going to keep it straight. And we're going to sing, Silent night, holy night. Right? Oh, yeah. I could imagine all the shepherds coming with little candles to the manger after the angel showed up and said, What? Fear not. not. For unto you this day is born in the city of David a child, which is the Messiah. Don't call him the Christ. The shepherds would have said the Messiah. He's here. You've been waiting for him for 500 years. He's here. Yes. And they came with the candles. <laughs> Silent. No. 
They made some noise. They danced. They ran. They shouted. They made a ruckus. So, when you come to Christmas Eve, we're still lighting the candles. I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. We're still singing Silent Night, but I added something this year. We're singing Joy to the World right after it. Right? The lights are going on. We're blowing out the candles and we're shouting. Why? Because in the presence of Jesus... We have to jump for joy. So if you've ever had to read, and I mean had to read, because I don't know anybody that did it voluntarily, Walden's Pond, about David, Henry David Thoreau and his year by the pond. One of the stories is that he got up to his chin in the water and he stood in the water for eight hours. Do you remember this story? Because he wanted to understand the perspective of a frog. <laughs> hey, he wrote the book. We're still reading the book. He wanted to know what it was like to see life as a frog sees it. Now, but Henry David Thoreau did not become a frog. Sesame Street is actually closer to the Christmas story. Years ago, they did a skit of an old fairy tale where the beautiful princess kisses the ugly frog, and you know the frog becomes a handsome prince and they live happily ever after. But in the Sesame Street story, also stolen by Shrek, but Sesame Street did it first, she kisses the frog and promptly becomes a frog. The creator of the universe came down and became a frog. As I was preparing, I, I had this image, and I just want to share it with you because I've never read it anyplace else, but it really made a lot of sense to me, and sometimes you got to trust your imagination. I had an image of a little child looking at a roller coaster. It was a big, tall roller coaster, and it had loops and corkscrews, and the child was sitting there thinking, I, I want to go on the roller coaster. Everybody has told me how wonderful the roller coaster is. I'm a little afraid of roller coasters. And uh, the child was frozen in fear of the height and the speed and the twists and the turns. And then this man came up and said to the child, do you want to ride the roller coaster? Kid nodded. He says, it's really high, isn't it? Kid said, yep, really fast. He got down on one knee and he looked the kid in the eye and he said, Kid, I built this roller coaster. I designed it. I measured it. I watched every bolt be put in place. I know exactly how this roller coaster works. And I have ridden it a thousand times. And if it would help, take my hand and I'll ride this roller coaster with you. God is the hero of the story. Mary and Elizabeth, you and I, never have to ride the roller coaster together. God says, I built this roller coaster. And I want to say one more thing, because you know, I always try to get between 18 and 22 minutes, and I got two and a half minutes to go. I forgot what I wanted to say. Don't you hate it when that happens? It was a really good thought. It was a really good thought. Ah. 
Oh, I remember. There we go. Roller coasters don't go on forever. They have an end. You got to get off the ride. We talked about this in Thursday night at Bible study. It was probably the most exciting thing for me is that there's an end to the ride. There's an end to the fear. We have a promise that there is a heaven and a glory waiting for each and every one of us who jump for joy in the presence of Jesus. I don't know what your roller coaster is. I don't know what freezes you in fear. But I know that the man who built the roller coaster wants to ride it with you. And that he promises that when we get off, we'll be in a better place. Amen.